satisfied with the effort? We just got smashed. Like, what are we talking about here, guys? Throws them all out of whack. Dusty, we'll never, never have to ask you again about Justin Verlander winning in the World Series. Thank you. <laughs> Whacking that thing around. You sense any give up in the locker room? Hell no. What kind of questions that, Phil? You know, for the believers out there, thanks for sticking with us. I know, you know, there were some doubters out there after the last game, but but uh, I knew our group would, would respond with a real good effort, and uh, we did that tonight. Doesn't matter if you have one ass cheek and three toes, I will beat your ass. I call it is not built on a location. It's built on a destination. Now that was good. You're supposed to clap for that. <laughs> Darn it, that was good. You give me some of my good stuff. We just we just getting started. I already went in the bag, baby. Let's go. You just crushed my dreams. Boom. Sadness. That's the one. I would just like to make everybody aware that on the whiteboard behind Lindsay, she has a segment without a mistake with a bunch of tally marks. Uh, Lindsay is working on a perfect game. Unless you consider this a mistake. Uh, we have done eight segments. She has nine segments listed without a mistake. So I don't know where that is. Where did the ninth one come from? I don't from? know where. Uh, did we do a ninth one? Should I one? take it down? Because now it, it feels, you know, a little premature. Like no, we, we no. Yes. I, don't, I didn't mean to miscount, but then you feel like you're kind of jinxing it a little bit. The pressure's on. you got to nail this one so you are not incorrect. Here we with go with number board. nine. Yeah. Don't don't screw up here, Lindsay. It's I, a big I, like deal. I did a good remix, and I just got to figure out the breaks for the rest of this hour. Jared, text me back. As long as... Uh, uh, what is it? Shane Beamer yelling at Phil gets in there. Yeah. It's, uh, it's oh, a that's good, the best. What kind of question is that, Phil? It's a good brilliant. rejoin. Um, all right. UNLV football. We've talked a lot about the coach. Uh, we'll see if they hire a new coach anytime soon. But the roster, big day or bad day, uh, Kyle Williams is into the transfer portal. He was second on the team in receptions and yards last year. Austin Ajake is entering the NFL draft. He was their best defensive player. Noel Williams has entered the transfer portal. He led the team or was tied for the team lead with three interceptions. Also had five pass breakups. That's added to Adam Plant, who was their top two defender with Austin Ajake, who's also in the portal. So UNLV has lost. I think he entered the draft. Excuse me. You're right. You're right. He uh, is entering the NFL draft. So UNLV has lost. Uh, maybe their three best defensive yeah. players overall, plus one of their top two wide receivers already. Uh, no new coach in place. I'd assume we're going to see some more player movement yes. here. Uh, we talked about it. Even if Marcus Arroyo was back, we're still probably seeing a lot of this. But uh, even if Arroyo kept his job, Adam Plant and Austin Ajake are probably going into yeah. the NFL draft in either way, right? Like though, if you at any point are like, oh, I could get drafted. You're probably you're leaving, leaving. You're leaving. Regardless of the coach situation. Yes. But uh, we will most likely see a lot more here. Um, how much uh, of this roster stays intact? I know it's an impossible question to answer, but is this going to be a mass exodus or is it just going to be a normal offseason where everybody loses kids in the offseason? I think a lot of them are thinking about it and a lot of them might be waiting for the next coach. Like uh, the one who came up to me uh, thinking about this on the way in today was Doug Brumfield. He, he flirted with the, the portal for, what, like six minutes, then came back, was the <laughs> starter. But I'd love to know what Doug Brumfield's thinking. I talked to Doug Brumfield at the uh, Cannon painting, and it was almost like he had taken the leadership role of, I'm going to tell guys the grass is not always greener. We have to stay together. Let's see what they're going to do. So maybe he's waiting around to see who the coach is. So two interesting parts on this. The first one to me, because it's UNLV, it's not a guarantee if you go in the portal, you're going to have 
suitors for you that are going to give you. Well, and maybe that's what he found out when he went in the portal. Right. And that are going to give you a starting position or guaranteed playing time or anything like that. You're not at the top. Like, you're not at a power five where, oh, yeah, I can transfer and go to a right. group of five school and, and play. Kobe Wyndham. So there are a lot of kids that I think are on the UNLV roster that, sure, they can go in the portal, but they're not really guaranteed very much. Um, the other part that is interesting and to make the comparison, it might be a foolish one because of the roster sizes, but when TJ Otzelberger took over at UNLV, he got some of the key players to stay. He mm-hmm. got Bryce Hamilton. He got Amori Hardy to stay. So there was, uh, you know, we've seen this at UNLV granted. It's a different sport. We've seen it at UNLV where the players kind of waited saw who the next coach was, gave the coach an opportunity to like, okay, do I want to play for this guy or not? Because Hamilton Hamilton had not broken out yet, but Hamilton could have transferred and ended up somewhere. Yes. Maury Hardy had already had a great season. Yeah. He could have transferred and ended up somewhere. Um, he actually ended up going to Oregon. But like that is, I, there, so there's precedent for, hey, let's see who the coach is. And if we like him, if he likes us, and then do we want to stay? And you think you're going to play somewhere else, right? Then you stay. So I do think there's a chance, but there's also going to be a level of players like I don't think this is the last. These are the last ones. There's going to be like Kyle Williams was good enough this year that he should get yes schools that'll say I think Noah Williams will get some right. They'll say we've got a starting spot for you, or at least the opportunity to compete for one. It might not be power five, right? Kyle Williams, Noah Williams might not be jumping up to a big 10 school or a pac 12 school, but I'm sure there's mountain West schools that are like, Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Would absolutely. You'll be one of our top two or three receivers. You'll be one of our top two corners, whatever it is. So that's going to happen. And that to me is sort of the, the fear. If you're UNLV right now, do you lose a lot of your starters? Like, do you lose a lot of these kids that were the difference makers on this year's team? Because if you lose some of the depth guys, you can replace them a lot easier. But if you well, lose your top UNLV end guys, depth guys, yeah. But if you lose your top end guys, then it makes next year a lot harder. Right, yeah. And we here's okay. We did this with Tony Sanchez, Demarcus Arroyo, right? Tony Sanchez got fired. After a four and eight season, the expectations from Desiree Francois was go to a bowl game. Sanchez didn't do it, got fired. So that meant the expectations for Arroyo right away were go to a bowl game. Now, COVID made the season six games instead of 12. They went 0 and 6, didn't happen. But we're doing the same thing again. Arroyo got fired after going 5 and 7. The expectation is to go to a bowl bowl game. game. And it doesn't mean the new coach is going to be fired or is going to be a failure if he wins four games or three games in year one but that is a failure of a season and the key to not going three and nine next year is putting together the best roster you can possibly put together. And I would say it's unlikely a new coach comes to UNLV and through the portal and the recruiting class puts together a six win team without keeping some of the current roster intact. And it's not to say when he comes in and he says all the right things, some, some of these kids could jump back out of the portal. They could, yeah. Oh, yeah, Kyle Williams. Yeah, that, that's the part come of back and you he, can go He in the meets with those kids and says, hey, you're going to be yeah. this, and this is my offense, and this is what we can do with you, and shows the kid film, and all of a sudden Kyle Williams says, okay, yeah. then I like that. So I think it's very uh, important for UNLV's next head coach to keep some of these kids because you're not going to be able to turn over an entire roster no. in one offseason to be a 6-6 six and six level team. Let me ask you this question, too. DJ Uyunglele. The Clemson quarterback. He is in the transfer portal. Now, maybe 
I'm asking this about a guy who's too good, but is there any way UNLV can land transfer portal kids that were decent at the power five level, but like lost their job? Yeah. Decent. I'm not so sure. Kids who didn't play. Yes. Power five kids, second and third string who want to start. So maybe them, but him, I think he's too good. Right. I would assume he is as well, but like, They got Harrison Bailey from Tennessee. They got Justin Rogers from TCU. Now, this is only the quarterback position. Neither one of those guys was any good, right? right? If they were, Arroyo might still have a shot. Neither one of those were any good as a quarterback. So I'm curious to see when there's so many kids in the transfer portal and there's so many kids that are in the transfer portal because of playing time. Yes, that's mostly why you go into a portal. Either they want more playing time or the coach has made it clear to them there is no playing time for you here. You're not going to play here. Exactly. How high can UNLV shoot, right? I think they can shoot for Power 5 kids, but I'm not so sure they can shoot for Power 5 kids like this. Right. And that, to me, is if we're talking about the immediate bowl game, if we're talking about next year you're going 6-6, and It doesn't have to be DJ Uyunglele, but it's got to be somebody close to that. Like, to me, if they're going to actually do that and actually be, hey, we're a 6-6 six and six team, we're, you know, 4-4, four and 5-3 four, and three in the Mountain West, whatever that record is, they've got to land a handful of kids that are legitimate Power 5 level players that right. they just... That just didn't get the chance at their previous group. Right, and they convince them, hey... You're the guy here. Right. You're our number You're one our corner, guy. our number one quarterback, our number right. one tight, whatever the position is. You've got a starting spot. You come here. You're not, you know, hey, if you go to that middle of the road power five, you're competing for your job here. It's going to be the same thing if you go yours. to the middle of the road power. It's going to be the right. same thing. You're going to have to compete where, I mean, they say they don't promise spots. I'll tell you what, if I have power five kids and I think they're better than what I have, I'm promising a spot because if you're UNLV, you might have to. Yeah. So, I'm really, really curious to see. And this is like we talked about Mike Stoops at seven o'clock and how that seems to make a lot of sense with what Eric Harper has said and their relationship and all that. The one big question I'd have for Mike Stoops and honestly for any coach, especially if you're hiring, hey, he's a former head coach. Are they going to be to go to the transfer portal? Mike Stoops didn't coach with this transfer portal. No, he did not. Gary Patterson didn't coach with this transfer portal. And I don't know how much Mike Stoops has had to do with the transfer portal recruiting at Kentucky. Yeah. So that's because that's going to be a massive key for UNLV. It's what Arroyo tried to do and it didn't work in his three years, but that's going to be a massive key for whoever the new coach is. You've got to be able to get talent out of the transfer. Yes. And it's nice to be like, Oh yeah, Mike Stoops coached uh, Arizona from 04 to 2011 or whatever it was. Does that, is that relevant? To current college football? No. And, you know, there's a lot of things not relevant to when he was when he was coach. NIL deals. Yeah. What can you tell a kid that, you know, I don't know. I know UNLV basketball has some NIL stuff coming on. I don't know if they have any in football. Um, the transfer portal is different. Uh, offenses are different. There's a lot of things that are different since Mike Stoops was a head coach at, at Arizona. Now, and he, he's an assistant, so it's not like he's out of the game and has no, no idea about he, it. True. Yeah. But I think your point about recruiting to the transfer portal now, maybe Mike Stoops goes out and gets a great staff and guys who've had experience doing that, and they're really good at that, and he bring he doesn't have much to do with his assistants bring him the transfers, and he makes the decisions on them. Um, but you're exactly right. College football has changed exponentially since he was a head coach. Yeah. And it doesn't mean he can't do it. Right. I don't, I don't know him well enough to say he can't do it, but it's a different game now, and he's going to have to prove it. Even if Mike Stoops gets the job, 
I think you'll agree. I still think there's a lot he has to prove. Oh, absolutely. There, it's the interesting part is when Eric Harper, the AD, says we want somebody with prior head coaching experience, right? And a lot of UNLV fans have expressed that same sentiment. They want somebody who's done it before. It's not, hey, we're taking a chance on somebody with their first ever head coaching job. I understand that, but if it's somebody who's a head coach five years ago, ten years ago. It's different. How relevant is their head coaching experience? Obviously, the coaching part, the game coaching part, part the management part, right. how to run a program. But that's probably secondary to what you need in a head coach. Yes. Like you need somebody who's adding different. talent here. And this is not the same college football as it was in no. 2011. Uh, Morocco almost just scored an extra time on Spain. Uh, they just put up a stat a couple minutes ago that uh, Spain has completed 800 passes and Morocco has completed 200 passes. Like, this is possession dominance by Spain, and they almost just lost on a counterattack goal. But their goalie made a good save. So, uh, Lindsay, you'll like this. Soccer goalies are not meatbags. They're athletes. Some of them. And they're special because they can use their hands. The Canadian goalie wore sweatpants during World Cup qualifying. The informality, the disrespect. (laughs) He did it in the World Cup, but in World Cup qualifying when they played in cold weather, he wore... What, he just come over from the maple farm, didn't have time to change? He wore sweatpants during the game? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Sweatpants during the game. Yeah, this is some rec league soccer. I did the same thing in uh, I've got him on for the show today, but that's not the World Cup. (laughs) You're not in the World Cup? (laughs) I'm not in the World Cup playing goalie. I... I haven't seen it in the World Cup. There are a handful of goalies that wear a, like a hat, like just a regular. Please, your ears hat. get cold. No, 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 not like a beanie like a type baseball hat. cap. Like, that yeah, I have what on? you're like wearing a skull right cap? now. No, 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 no. Oh, like what Ed's wearing what? right now. Yeah, yeah, they wear a hat. I've never seen that in my oh, life. In the, in the cup? No, no, I haven't seen it in the World Cup. But just guys at like the professional what? level will. Like, there's a few of them that will wear a hat. Put some eye black on and get over it. <laughs> Come on, you're wearing a hat out there. Have what you if seen, you take one off the bill? That's going to hurt. Have you seen one that wear the, um, well, they can use their hands. They'll catch it. Have you seen the ones that uh, have worn like the protective headgear? Mm, maybe. Pe- Peter Check was probably the most. Is it like a wrestling helmet, basically? Yeah, yeah kind of. Peter Check was probably the most famous. He had a pretty bad head injury. And so for the last five years of his career, whatever it was, he wore like a, it's like a soft helmet type thing. Very much like I a wrestling I would be worried thing. about just going head first into one of the posts. Or getting like table topped by one of them. That's much the players of the ball. They don't go into the post too often. Normally the 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 way that the I field, played goalie. Well, trust me, it, where everything is on the table. <laughs> when you got padding from head to toe, you well, can be a little great more thing. reckless. You're invincible. Normally the people that end up running into the post are the actual players in the field because they're like sprinting back to try to save I a just, ball off the goal line all out dive and then you like it wrapped around the but post. normally you're a little out in front of the goal so well, you don't if you're off gapping correctly i assume so <laughs> it's not that hard coming up next it's bischoff's briefs bischoff's briefs today looking at unlb basketball and the net rankings first off these are going to change a lot throughout the season it's only the first thing uh, uh first set of net rankings february is probably when net and ken palm will normalize, stabilize, uh, largely because half of your schedule is against conference opponents and nobody's played a conference opponent yet. And by February, you'll have played about six, seven, eight of them. Uh, so February's win net rankings in Ken Palm is truly the way you should look at teams and judge teams, or at least use that to judge teams. But I'm still excited because we might actually get to talk about net rankings in UNLV basketball. They were 44 in the initial net rankings. That's a bubble team. If you're 44, you're a bubble team. Um, the rest of the Mountain West, seven teams in the top 100 and yeah. five in the top 50. Utah State was 15th. 
New Mexico 27th, Nevada 43rd, UNLV 44, San Diego State 45, and then Boise State at 57 and Colorado State at 93. One interesting side note, Wyoming, they're two and five this year. They were 275 yeah. in the net rankings. They don't have their two best players. They're killed by injuries. Um, Maldonado and uh, Grammy K. Richard Patino, New Mexico's coach, was apparently talking about this. Jeff Grammer tweeted this out. They're going to screw some teams in the Mountain West because when they get EK and Maldonado back, they're going to win games. They're going to be one of the yes. top five teams in the Mountain yep. West, and they're going to start beating them with bad metrics. But they're yeah, their Ken Palm or their Ken Palm's not terrible, but their net ranking is awful, and those are going to be bad losses. Yep. But in reality, it's a in reality, it was a team many, many people thought could win the league. Right. So they're going to screw some teams in the Mountain West this year. Um, but. Here's here's why the net rankings right now are important for the Mountain West. Usually, the biggest disadvantage that a Mountain West team has, uh, if you're going to be on the bubble and compared to like the ninth best team in the Big Ten or whatever, is that when we get to January, power conference teams, almost every single game they play is a top 100 team. Basically, every single game they play is a quad one or yeah, quad, quad two one game. Yeah, quad one or two win. Whereas in the Mountain game. West, you're going to play quad yep. four games. You're mm-hmm. going to play a lot of quad three games, primarily quad two games, and you might have a quad one game. But seven teams in the top 100, five in the top 50, if that if it, that holds, you're going to have a handful of quad one games and a ton of quad two games. You'll still have some quad threes and quad fours because San Jose State and Air Force exist, but... That's a, it's not as good as the Big Ten or the SEC or the ACC, but it's close enough to, to close that gap a little bit where it's not as big of a deal. And for UNLV specifically, if we look at their resume right now, seven wins against Division One opponents. They do not have a quad one win because Dayton is not, any, is not as good as expected. They only have one quad two win so far this year. Uh, you want to take a guess as to who that was? Quad two? Yeah. Who's the quad two win on UNLV schedule? Trying to think who they played. It wasn't Life Pacific Insurance <laughs> Company, I'll tell you that. Um, Southern Illinois. Was Nailed it. Southern, it. Illinois? Southern Illinois and San Juan Capistrano is UNLV's best win of the season yeah. right now. Um, the Hawaii game tomorrow is likely a quad three game. Uh, the Washington State game on Saturday is probably quad two. Maybe that could end, it could end up as a quad one at the end of the year because it's at a neutral site, but it's going to be quad two for now. Uh, UNLV's actual their best non-conference opponent by net right now is Southern Miss, who is 31 in the net because I think they're off to a seven and one start. They're going to fall; they're not going to stay at 31. But Southern Miss could end up as a quad two win, which is better than expected because Southern Miss has been they're they're much improved from what the X they were supposed to be like one of the hundred worst teams in the country, and they're off to a really good start. Again, these are going to change quite a bit, uh, but the schedule is extremely soft. Hell, it's softer than we probably expected it was. At UNLV? The beginning. Yeah, UNLV yes. schedule yes. than it, we thought it was going to be. So what it means for UNLV, they kind of need to win every non-conference game. Um, if they lose to Southern Miss or lose to Washington State or something, like they're not going to be out of the NCAA tournament because they lost one of those games. But they kind of need to win every game. They need to be at least a one-loss team going into conference play because if you suffer two losses against this schedule from here on out, you're going to have to do a lot of work in the Mountain West. The good news, though, is the Mountain West, it might end up saving them here because if a lot of these teams can stay in the, in the top 50 or at least the top 100, those are quad one and quad two games, mm-hmm. and those will help sort of even out the resume. So first net rankings, again, they're going to change. The bad news is the non-conference opponents are awful and give you, again, they do not have a quad one win. And... That Southern Miss game, even if they stayed at 31, would not be a quad one win because it's at home. So legitimate chance UNLV finishes the non-conference schedule unbeaten 
with zero quad one wins and maybe two or three quad two wins. That's bad. But the good news is the Mountain West net rankings are really strong right now. And if those teams can hold, they're going to have a lot of opportunities for good wins in conference play. That'll help a lot. And also, there won't be as many bad losses available because if you lose to a team ranked 43rd in net, that's not going to kill you very much. Net comes out really early. I think Sam Houston's seventh. It does. That's not going to hold. A lot of it's going to change. Uh, You know, Nevada's 43rd right now. Maybe they fall to 143rd by the end of the season. UNLV's 44. Maybe they're 24 by the end of the season. It can go both ways, but it is very early. These numbers are more meaningful in February than they are right now. So, We'll check back in. I mean, we'll probably talk about them every time they come out because right, exactly because so they're absolutely you know they're they're in this right. And until they you know if they lose like five games in the next ten and they're then, in the hundred and fifty range, right. then it doesn't matter anymore. Then we won't bring it up as much. But as long as uh, we have the ability to at least say, hey, you know, on the bubble, we'll talk yeah. about it because this is at the end of the season. Net rankings and Ken Palm are two of, if not the most two important metrics that, that they the use. committee looks at yeah. to judge teams. And quad one and quad two wins are important. And UNLV at the moment has one quad two win. And they might be going into that game on New Year's uh, Eve against San Diego State with like two quad two wins. Right. And they might be 14 to no, but it'll be like, yeah, you didn't beat anybody that we care about. So net rankings, they're fun. Coming up next, Ryan Wallace joins the show. This isn't the Alex Ovechkin Power Hour. This is the VGK Update with Ryan Wallace. Follow him on Twitter at RyanHockeyGuy. I'm out. Ryan, good morning. Hey, Ryan. Morning, guys. Uh, can you give us an update? How many baby goats do you have now? Seven. Seven, Seven baby goats. Oh, wait, yep. so wait, Man. how many pregnant goats did you have? Three? Three, yeah. Wow, they produced a lot Boy. of goats for you. Sure did. Uh, so they're they're all they're all born now. Yeah, yeah. We don't have any more baby goats on the horizon. <laughs> uh, how are they? What's been the best part of the baby goats? Um, I mean, they're they're really cute. They're awesome. Like they they're all really good. Um, there was one runt. So one of our does had triplets um, in the middle of the night, which was you know a fascinating experience. Uh, trust me. Um, so we have kind of one runt of, of the seven. Um, so bottle feeding, and uh, he's actually in the house at the moment, kind of getting a little bit of extra care until he's big enough. But other than that, I mean, they're cool. They're awesome. They're really cute. And, uh, you know, there's seven goats, seven more goats. We've doubled our goat population Tyler, in, in a matter of a week. Tyler has named the runt Phil after his favorite golden knight. That yeah, feels a little big to be the runt. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, what what time is middle of the night? I'd like to know the exact hour you were up to to uh, get these goats born. You know, like three thirty oh, is always. Oh, uh, man, nice, that's a tough number. Nice that number. is. The, uh, I think that might be the worst because, like, if it's midnight, that's reasonable to stay up. If it's like five a.m., six a.m., that's reasonable to just be awake. But three, that's like right in the middle. That's rough. That's a rough time to be. I believe. When I lived with my mom, she only had dogs, and I don't believe we had any middle-of-the-night litters. But I do know she has had a cow born at, like, 2 or 3 in the morning. So I feel for you on that yeah. one. Yeah, it wasn't too bad. Uh, you know, a little extra rest during the day. Never hurt anybody. So, uh, you know, <laughs> pregame naps, that's what I uh, that's what I kind of leaned into <laughs> last week. Uh, somehow you and I have had this conversation multiple weeks about if there's an injury in the top six, who goes in? 
Paul Cotter was the answer, and Paul Cotter scored two goals. Is Paul Cotter yeah. the answer until Jack Eichel comes back? Well, he's the answer for right now, and he'll be the answer as long as it continues to work, right? So um, I like the makeup of it. I thought it made a lot of sense for Bruce Cassidy because you're not pulling from different parts of the lineup. You're not impacting multiple lines. You're only impacting two lines as opposed to if you move Riley Smith up or Jonathan Marshall so up, then you've got to find somebody to play with the Misfits and vice versa. And I don't really think you want to pull too much out of your fourth line because they've been largely consistent for the Golden Knights all season long. So as long as Paul Cotter is playing well in that spot, he's going to be the answer until he's not the answer anymore. And then Bruce Cassidy's probably going to have to be a little bit more invasive trying to figure out what will work moving forward so long as Jack Eichel's not in the lineup. Uh, we talked about this before you came on earlier in the show, and Lindsay had her uh, views on this. Logan Thompson in shootouts. Why is he so good? Um, I, I think that <laughs> I'm not going to look at anything technical. I mean, he's a fast, right? He's, he's pretty explosive. He's got great lateral movement. Like, all those things are important. But I think that he just loves the, the ability to go one-on-one with a shooter and win that battle. I, I think that there's the compete level uh, and the ability to, to be the guy, to be the man in that moment that I think he kind of thrives on. He likes to be responsible for making that save. He likes to be responsible for kind of getting inside the shooter's head. And I think that more than anything, it's just um, his desire to best somebody in a one-on-one spot. He kind of wills those things into existence. I'm going to give you three stats and then have you rank uh, three players, one, two, three. Marc-Andre Fleury is the all-time NHL leader in shootout wins. Malcolm Subban has stopped 18 of 19 shootout attempts in his career. Logan Thompson has stopped 25 of 29 in his career. Which one of those three is the best in shootouts? (laughs) Uh, You know, I mean, obviously you're going to go with history and say Marc-Andre Fleury because he's kind of, the, the NHL leader there, but listen, Malcolm Subban for <laughs> his entire career was in impenetrable. So I mean like I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go against that, Tyler. You talk about eighteen for nineteen. It doesn't get any better than that. Right. That's the highest percentage. Yeah. And actually my favorite shootout stat is that Logan Thompson is saved twenty five of twenty nine. He's never allowed more than one goal in an individual shootout and he has mm-hmm. lost three of the five shootouts he's ever been in. Yeah, and those three, uh, those three that he did end up losing last season were the difference between the Golden Knights making and missing the playoffs. Yeah, just scoring a shootout. So wait, they all need to just be Paul Cotter. Can Paul Cotter shoot three times in the same shootout? Uh, not unless it's the Olympics. But uh, if if he could, <laughs> believe me, he would do it. <laughs> just put a new jersey on him with a new number, and he'll be fine. What's What's funny about that is if you gave him three looks in the shootout, he'd probably go to the same move three times. <laughs> And and score all three goals. What did you think about Bruce Cassidy crying a little bit? I think it's natural, right? Like, it's nice to see that emotion. You know, Bruce was there for a long time. Bruce did did a lot of really good things with that Boston Bruins team. You get to to within one win of of the Stanley Cup, and you're going to have fond memories. You're going to have a lot of emotions. And, um, you know, I think that it was – you never really know what kind of – reaction you're going to get as the guy that that almost won uh, but didn't quite get over that threshold and had a lot of success but you know management had other ideas so I, I think that it was nice to see the emotion and it was nice for for the team to come through with a big win for him should teams be allowed to do tribute videos for somebody they fired 
Ooh, that's a really interesting question. Um, I think that while it's for the person, it's also for the fans. It's also for the players, you know, in that locker room with the Boston Bruins that, that enjoyed their, their time with Bruce Cassidy and, you know, became better players because of it. So I don't have, like, much of an issue in a sense, like trading a player is almost like firing them too. And you do that all the time anyway. So um, I'm never going to like poo poo on a, on a tribute video. He's earned it. I, I thought so too, because it's not uh, the front office that fired him or the owner or whatever. That's like coming down and saying, Hey, congratulations. Welcome back. It is a moment between him and primarily the fans. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Now, if the front office came down or the owner came <laughs> the down, the owner came down like, to give him a handshake. I was like, yeah, High thanks five. for all you did. Thanks, here's, here's a bottle of wine or something like they gave <laughs> Phil Kessel. That would be a little weird. That might be a little awkward. Uh, but I'm excited to see the uh, Pete DeBoer's getting one, right? Oh, he's got to. Ooh. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, like, I haven't thought about it too much. Um, I would imagine Pete's going to get something, but. I, I don't know. I'm not really sure. I mean, they put a little graphic up for like Eric Halla and Cody Eakin or something. So surely Pete DeBoer gets something. Well, yeah, but you know, both of those guys went to a Stanley Cup final. Oh, is that is that the deal breaker there? I feel like it might be. I, I don't know. We'll see. Is um is Steve Spot an assistant with DeBoer in Dallas? Do you know that off the I, top of your head? I, I would. I listen. The only thing that I really keep tabs on with Dallas is Jason Robertson. Everything else is kind of in the weeds for me. Um, I, but I would imagine Steve Spot is there with the uh, with with Pete DeBoer in I, Dallas. I hope he gets a shout out and Golden Knights fans start the fire Steve Spot chant again. Ooh, um, I mean, if he's there, I don't know that there's going to be like a shout out in a video because I'm not even sure that Pete's going to get one. But um, <laughs> I would imagine that that Golden Knights fans would be pretty quick to recognize that it's Dallas and the power play and all that stuff. All right, before we let you go, have you named all seven goats? No, we haven't named any of them yet. <gasps> oh, okay. Is yeah. that are you going to name them? Uh, verdicts out on that. Okay. We'll see. Okay. Yeah. All right. My... Are you keeping them all? Oh, that's a really tough question. Um, verdict's out on that one, too. We will see, like, <laughs> they have no okay, names, so and you like, don't know if you'll keep them. All of our boys are named after like country music icons, so we've got Hank and Waylon and, and Cash. So the first pair, like the first twins that were born, uh, they're both boys, and I, I jokingly named them Brooks and Dunn, but I'm not 100% sure that that's going to stick. So all right. we'll see. All right, I'm glad we uh, have updates to look forward to next week to find out if the goats are named and if you're keeping them. He's Ryan Wallace. Hear him on the VGK Insider Show over on Fox Sports Las Vegas. Ryan, as always, we appreciate Thanks, it. Thanks, Ryan. Thanks, guys. Uh, should I know who Waylon is as a country music icon? James? Waylon, is that the name? Waylon Jennings? I have Jennings. no idea. I have no Waylon clue. Jennings. Danny's nodding his head. I got Cash. Uh, who was the other one he said? Well, Brooks and Dunn. Well, yeah, and then he said um, one more, I think. He said, Billy Ray. Billy Ray? I don't think that was it. That sounds <laughs> like think, a good name I don't for think so. another Ray country star, though. I don't think Billy Ray There's only was so it. many I can go through. All right, uh, important update. Morocco and Spain are in a penalty shootout. Morocco has scored their first two. Spain has not on their first two. It's 2 nothing Morocco in the shootout. We'll have an update on who won coming up next. But first, we got some tickets to give away. Uh, if you want to go see Social Distortion at the House of Blues on December 15th, we've got a pair of tickets for you right now. 702-364-1100. You'll win two tickets to see Social Distortion at the House of Blues. Be caller number five right now at 702-364-1100.
We're back to the press box with Grady and Bischoff. I got all the confidence in the world in Purdy, and that's a lot. It's a lot to ask of a rookie, you know, obviously being thrust into the in the position he's in. But at the same time, he doesn't have to do too much. He's done a great job of getting us ready every week, you know, defensively. So, like I said, I, I have all the confidence in him. You know, he's prepared. He's ready because he. I mean, he played. He's played against the best defense in the league for the past 13 weeks. You know, so he's he's gonna be just fine. Morocco has knocked out Spain. Beat them in penalties. 3-0. Spain did not score on uh, any of their penalties. And Morocco is going to the quarterfinals where they will play the winner of Portugal and Switzerland. There is a legitimate chance that Switzerland plays Morocco in one quarterfinal and the winner gets the winner of France and England in the other quarterfinal, which would be phenomenal. Uh, Morocco, by the way, a perfect example of how you win a game while just defending the entire time. Spain had 77% possession in that game, but Spain had an expected goals of just 0.93 because they only put one shot on target the entire 120 minutes. So Morocco did not have the ball for two hours, but did not allow Spain to actually create legitimately good chances. And then they beat them in penalties, three, nothing. Phenomenal work. And now they're on to the quarterfinals. That was their World Cup, you're saying? They're going to have one of the easier opponents in the quarterfinal, like Switzerland and Portugal. Portugal's good. They're both better than Morocco. But they don't get France. They don't get England. They don't get Brazil. They don't get Argentina. They don't get the Netherlands. Right? They could get Switzerland. They could get Port. They might get Portugal here. So Mm. if they can do that to Spain... Now, generally, when you play that way, you don't win that many games. Well, right. it's a right. zone defense. Bruce Cassidy would be proud of out there. <laughs> zone defense for 120 minutes. My God. Um, but, yeah, I mean, if they listen, they could beat Switzerland. They could beat Portugal, too. So Morocco is going to have a legitimate shot to go to a semifinal, and then they'll probably get run through by France or England. But it is entirely plausible there that that happens. So Morocco's through. Not one more game today, and then no games until Friday in the World Cup. Um, so good job, Morocco. First uh, first real upset we've had in the knockout stages is Spain going down. So Spain and Germany got drawn into the same group and neither one is in the quarterfinals. That's wild. What's your, uh, what's your call on when uh, Eric Harper hires a coach? 24 hours? I have no idea. What are they doing? Who are they waiting for? He's, he I don't said, know who he's waiting for. He said the guy could be in a bowl game. Right. That's the thing that I keep going back to. You could still name a guy, though. Yeah. Especially if he's not that. I mean, he's not going to be the head coach of a bowl they, game. They did so. that with Arroyo. They hired yeah. they named they hired him as the head coach, and then he coached in the Rose Bowl. Yeah. Why can't you just wait though for the bowls to be done? Because you need. I, mean, I think coach. you need to get into the transfer portal. You got to you got to have oh, them talking God. to Doug Brumfield. Yeah, you got to have you got to be talking to your guys to see if they'll stay. Yeah, you want to stick around. Just here. Give Dougie fresh couple of brownies and send him on a long weekend. He'll be fine. He'll be there. The funniest thing about the Arroyo hiring happening before Oregon played in the Rose Bowl was Desiree Francois telling everybody, oh, we're going to get publicity because they're going to mention UNLV during the Rose Bowl. They're going to show him in the booth and say, hey, he's going to UNLV. And UNLV didn't get one mention in the entire Rose Bowl. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. That's the closest they've ever been to the Rose Bowl. They never showed him. I watched the whole Rose Bowl. They never showed him. Waiting for like, ah, there it is. There it is. There it is. There's the next coach. Not a single mention of UNLV. And UNLV got more publicity during the World Series 
because of Bryson, Bryson Stott, Stott than exactly. they did during the Rose Bowl exactly. where they hired the offensive coordinator yeah. that was still coaching. It was great. It was a great moment in UNLV football history. Danny, so, aren't you a UNLV guy? Yeah. What do you, who do you want? He went to UNLV. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. Who do you, who do you want? <laughs> Crowd alumnus over yeah, there. Like, who do you want to be the coach? Somebody that can take this team to a bowl game. That'd be great to see. I haven't seen it in quite but some do, time. But do you have somebody that you're like, if it's Mike Stoops, you excited, disappointed, don't care? I really, like, I can't put anything behind any names that have been mentioned. Deion Sanders leaves Sanders. Colorado been, to come to UNLV. Excited. I mean, that would that would definitely get the meter going as far as the transfer <laughs> portal. I mean, how many how many people are reaching out to him? Jackson or, State West. <laughs> hey, you imagine how many kids are or, or how many back to back conference titles? So if he can do that here, that'd be awesome. Like you said, you know how many kids are already probably saying, "Hey, does Colorado want me?" I saw something. Uh, what was it? Monday morning. That seven hundred kids entered the transfer portal. There's over yeah, a thousand now. So it's yeah. over a thousand now. Somebody tweeted that two hundred kids in the portal already contacted Colorado. Yeah, wouldn't you, be, you wouldn't be surprised. If that it sounds like a ridiculous. No, number. really, it, it sounds ridiculous, but I would believe it. You're saying like, like two kids number. from every major team. That probably. sounds like a ridiculous number. I would absolutely. All numbers are ridiculous. It. Finally, you're catching on. No, no. They're made up. Most numbers are good. But I also I also saw something over the weekend. I don't know if I mentioned it to you guys that uh I saw a tweet about Dion going to Colorado makes the Pac-12 interesting. I was like, "Ah, eh, it makes it interesting for two seasons and then they're they're out of there." We're living in the moment, Danny. Is, Get is on the board. Pac-12 not interesting? I don't know. They're not good. I mean, but they're that was interesting. A, that was a that was a pretty good Pac-12 championship we saw. Yeah, Lincoln, Tyler made a good point yesterday, though. It's not – you're not going to bring all your Jackson State guys and win in the Pac-12 because no. they would probably be in the Pac-12. No, but – They would be a Power he, 5 school. Seeing what he was able to do at Jackson State, he'll definitely get a lot of top recruits. No, I, yeah, he has to get better players than that, and right. my guess is he'll get better players than he had at Jackson State, even though – what do you say? I'm bringing – my luggage. I'm bringing my I'm luggage bringing with me, luggage. and it's Louie. My luggage, and it's Louie. Enter the transfer portal because he's got his <laughs> own guys. That's great. Stand up, Jimmy. Here's your quarterback. Cristiano Ronaldo is not in Portugal's starting lineup against Switzerland. He took that big payday, right? Thank you. Danny knows what's up. Ronaldo's a bum. Guy's not any good. But he's going to get paid like $200 million a year to play for Saudi Arabian team. He's on the lip tour. He's going to be the richest athlete in the history of the world, but he's a bum.